Jennifer Russell and her husband, Michael Gale, on guitar. Uh, it's just a, such a pleasure. I don't know if you notice, St. Francis is on our side. He's in the balcony right behind Mr. Mr. Rogers there. <laughs> they, they move around a lot not, well, we're not looking at night, you know. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure great conversations, yeah. That's kind of my vision of what heaven is, you know, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I wanted to just take a moment to uh, introduce you to our guest speaker today. Um, I, Jennifer Hadras, Jennifer Gadbury Hadras, very kindly gave me a Sunday off this week, and she's offered to speak for me. Jennifer is in her final moments of ministerial school. She's been a practitioner. Yay, I know. <laughs> She's been a practitioner here for years, like 10, 10 12 years, and then uh, shortly, a little while ago, decided to go to the School of Ministry and has done great there, and she's a delight, and we're just so honored to welcome her to our stage this morning, so please let's give Jennifer lots of love as she comes forward. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, my talk title today is, is uh, Lint Trap, and this picture is the Last Supper done with laundry lint. You can see it at Ripley's, believe it or not. I, I'm amused by these things, so <laughs> thank you, Brian. Um, so, a imam, a priest, and a rabbit walk into a bar. And the rabbit looks up and goes, I think I'm a typo. <laughs> In Science of Mind, we talk about all face. We bless all face to God. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, Lent, and Lent is, is uh, Christian tradition. Um, and the idea of Lent is, is 40 days of fasting. Uh, the... So I'm kind of looking into it, and uh, I know what Lent is for me, personally, when I was nine, and I forced strong arm my parents into letting me go to Catholic catechism. Uh, the first Lent there, you know, we were, we were told that it's 40 days, and you're, it's like Jesus in the desert, and you're going to give up something, and you don't eat meat on Fridays, and there's a lot of rules, and it's not really 40 days. My little math brain was like blowing up. It's like, because it don't count Sundays, and, and it's only meat on Friday, and I'm just like, what is happening? But I was determined because I wanted to grow up to be a nun when I was nine. Um, so I knew I, you know, I, I had a, a plan. Um, I don't, am I the only one that watched uh, Sound of Music? And I didn't want to be Maria. I wanted to be the head nun. Like, she had it going on. She was like, meh, meh. That's, that's what I wanted to be. You know, it's pretty severe for a five-year-old to declare to her parents, like, that's me. <laughs> Those are my people. My mom's like, oh, my gosh. So, um, so fast forward to nine, and I'm with my little friends in catechism, and it, what are we going to give up for Lent? You know, I'm going to give up my doll. I'm going to give up my bike. And I'm like, I wanted to be the best because, you know, I'm going to be mother superior. So, I'm going to give up electricity because I had to be the best linter ever. You know? <laughs> I go home and my mom is like, we are not, oh, because I'm going to do my homework by candlelight like Jesus. That's what I was telling everybody. I'm running around. <laughs> and my 
mom was like, we are not giving up electricity for Lent because, you know, you have a wild hair. Yeah, and I don't even remember what I ended up giving up. I'm sure it was just the normal thing, you know, like everybody else. Like, oh, man, dashed. But, um, but then I get a little older, and I'm like, what is Lent? What is Lent really? You know, why are we doing this? I had, you know, the why, most people get the whys when they're like two. I got the whys when I was like in middle school. The why, why would we do 40 days is the arbitrary thing. Why is this, why is this, you know, and, and you're told in Catholicism that it's, again, because Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, he purified before he started his ministry. And then I was like, well, did that happen in the springtime? And you, nobody could tell me when it happened. Like, when in time in the year did it happen? Like, why are we doing it before Easter? And it's because it's convenient. You know? <laughs> the only answer I got then. But if you look further, in Europe, and in, um, in, as Christianity was spreading into Europe, this time of year is a lean time for food. It's a lean time. You know, you've probably eaten through your stores, your winter stores. Uh, the crops aren't producing, and you don't want to kill all of your farm animals because they're pregnant. And so it's a lean time. Uh, in England, they actually, before Christianity came in there, they called it the hungry gap. So when Christianity was rolling through Europe, and uh, it started assimilating traditions. We know that, you know, we know Christmas has a lot of pagan, and so it's assimilating traditions. So, so Christianity assimilated this idea of this hungry gap and made Lent, and it made sense, and people kind of took it up, like, oh, that makes sense. And then what I see is that religion kind of crystallizes that into a dogma, crystallizes those traditions into a dogma. And so if you're, you know, a, a pesky 11-year-old going, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for us, right? We live here in Ventura. We have food year-round. You know, why, we, don't, we don't have to have this hungry gap. Um, so why are, we, why are we doing this, this dogma? Huh. Good question. <laughs> so when I started out in um, Science of Mind, taking my classes, there was a class that we read this book that I said I didn't need uh, called Living the Science of Mind. I'm going to read a quote from it, but not from the book because it's too small, and I need reading glasses now, so um, I'm not going to read it from the book. Ernest Holmes says, shorn of dogmatism, freed from superstition, and always ready for greater illumination, religious science offers the student of life the best that the world has discovered. Oh, look at that. So, yeah, that feels good, right? Us in, in, in New Thought and Science of Mind, like, we don't need dogma. We are the faith of abundance. We are the, what is it? There's a good in the world, and you ought to have it. It is your birthright. More, 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 more. It's, a, it's ours. So why would we ever, ever want to fast? Why would we ever, on purpose, practice deprivation? Anybody? <laughs> so he's like, it's fun. Aren't you excited? Come on. I was excited about Lent starting. Like, you know, it's time. It's time for me to show how awesome I am. Come on. I'm going to give up electricity. No, I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> so what happens is if you look at the idea 
of fasting, and you kind of shift it a little, which is what we do in Science of Mind. We shift things. We look at what is the meaning behind. So we're doing the kind of the peeling of the onion. You know, when I'm looking at Lent, when I'm looking at Lent as, a, as my little Catholic self, um, it's like this is what we do because we're Catholic. And then as my rebellious self, well, that's what you do because you just took a pagan tradition and made it your own and then told everybody if they didn't do it, they're going to hell because you're bad. I was very rebellious. <laughs> and then when you go further, you go deeper, you mature a little bit, you think, well, maybe there's something good here. You look at fasting, you look at Lent, you look at these types of traditions, and you find them throughout every Aramaic, Abrahamic faith. So the Christians are not the only ones that fast. Uh, the, the Jewish people fast. They, have their, their, they do it Friday night, so Friday night sundown to an hour after sundown on Saturday. They, they, form a, they do a certain type of, depending on the, the denomination, fasting. They don't also, they have food fasting things too. And, um, and then um, our Islamic brothers and sisters, they also fast. They have Ramadan and, and they have their tradition. So you'll see it. And for me, if, I, if a lot of people are doing it, they're getting something out of it. And I want to know what it is. And I want to know how I can get that too. So that's where we're getting into Lent. So, um, so I looked at Lent and I look at fasting and I look at it as a releasing. And releasing, I know about, especially with the traditions here. We, we release at the end of our prayer. Um, you'll hear everybody who prays at the end. There's some form of, and I release. And then we also release when we do our visioning practice. So um, actually, one of the steps of visioning, you know, visioning, you go into a meditative state. You align your head and your heart. You open up to the universe. It's a lovely, lovely practice. And to listen to and to, to kind of download what is this highest vision that I'm going to experience. So when you're opening yourself up to that, one of the steps um, is what do I need to release to allow this vision to happen? And I love that. What do I have to release? Well, I don't always love it. <laughs> Sometimes. I get things that I don't like in there. And sometimes, you know, so here's a, here's a quick litmus test. You know when you're in an interview and they say, tell us something, you know, what's your, your downfall? What's, you know, what's something that you bad about yourself? And, you know, your pat answer is like, I care too much. <laughs> I work too hard. You know, you, okay, I call BS on those. Those are the, you know, those are not the right answer, right? <laughs> When I'm visioning, sometimes if I'm not completely aligned, what do I need to release? I need to just never talk to that person again. <laughs> I need to just ignore that, you know, whatever, you know. And those, those are, that's the ego kind of seeping in back in there, trying to control things, trying to make things more comfortable. When I get release notices like, I need to release control in this situation. Oh, another one I don't like is, uh, I need to release being right. Oh, no, I don't want to release being right. I want to be the mother superior, right? I want to be like, Maria, you're going to go work for this old dude, and you're going to end up falling or whatever, but, you know, because you're out of hand, like, and I want to be her, and I want... 
I want to control the situation. You would think, after raising three boys and having multiple animals and in this place in my life, that I would realize that control is just not going to happen. <laughs> Here I am. There's still a little part of me thinking I can, can manage things, so releasing the control. And so um, how do we practice this releasing? How do we practice so that we aren't holding on to things? Uh, so I'm going to have a quick, I'm going to ask everybody a real quick question. What's better, breathing in or breathing out? Have I done this one? I don't remember. I don't think I did this with you guys before. So breathing in or breathing out, which one's better? Yes. Yeah, so you guys are too good. Like, I, I was actually in a ministerial class, and somebody asked that, and I actually had friends that were like, breathing in, breathing out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, try just breathing in all the time. It doesn't work, you know? And try breathing out all the time. It, it doesn't work. That works even less. So... We have to be in flow. We have to release. You, you can't always just be taking in. You have to allow things to flow through. So um, I have another Ernest Holmes quote from his pamphlet, Only Reality. And this quote is, too often we are afraid of letting go of the little good we think we hold in our hand, lest we lose it. Not realizing that only as we release this good can we expect its increase. So I'm going to read that one again. Too often we are afraid of letting go of the little good we think we hold in our hand lest we lose it, not realizing that, the o that only as we release this good can we expect it to increase. I was just talking with a friend before church, and, and uh, I think I would edit that. And I would say, not realizing that only as we release this good can we expect it to change. Can we expect it to change into what we need now? Because what I needed when I was nine is different than what I needed when I was 11, which is different than what I need now. I don't want to be the mother superior now, but I can honor the, the five-year-old that wanted to be mother superior. I could honor that how she looked at it, she was adorable. Trust me, I got pictures to prove it. Um, you know, and, and she was, again, she was trying to control her environment. She wanted, didn't want to, <laughs> she didn't want to get married, and she didn't want to have any man telling her what to do. So those nuns on Sound of Music did not have any men in the movie telling them what to do. <laughs> so I was like, me. Um, I was also being raised on a military base, so it could have been why I um, was a little bit prone to not wanting that masculine uh, energy. So what I do, I'm going to talk about this practice that I, I didn't come up with, but that I embraced a couple years ago for fasting, for Lent, for the Christian Lent. So for 40 days, I started on um, Good or Good Friday. I started on Ash Wednesday, this past Wednesday. I, every day, I set an intention. Uh, a few years ago, when I first started this, I had a suitcase that was a perfectly good suitcase, and I knew I was going to be giving it to charity, and I put the suitcase out, and my intention was that every day I was going to put an item in the suitcase, and then at the end of Lent, that suitcase was going to go on 
to live its life. I'm doing that practice again. I don't have a suitcase now because I gave it away. So <laughs> I had to find a box <laughs> to put everything in. <laughs> so, so you get a receptacle of some sort. And every day, my practice is I align my head and my heart, and I open, and I listen. And sometimes I get a direct hit, and sometimes I get uh, like, you need to go look in the living room or whatever, but I listen. And then what, this is what's key for me is, because I can meditate, I meditate all the time, I have my morning meditation practice, but sometimes I meditate, I might journal, and then I put that up on the shelf, and then I just go about my day. Now what this practice does is I meditate and then I do. Um, Amit, Amit Goswami, he talks about uh, in, in um, You Do Be Do, that we are constantly working between those two. And we work between those two so quickly that it seems like it doesn't, that there aren't two parts. But there is that part of us that is no thing, that from the reading, that no thing part, that, that part that isn't physical, that consciousness. And then there is this body, this, this presence, this being, the thing part. And so, be that no thing, do the physical, going back and forth. So what happens with this process is I align, and then I move, and I get the item. And when I get the item and I put it in the receptacle, I acknowledge, I have a fun game. I like to anthropomorphize my things. I'm easily amused. So, um, so I, I kind of like look at it and I think about what wonderful life it's going to have now. So for example, I'm gonna have a, a story about, when I did this a couple years ago, I found a dress in my closet. I didn't think I was, I, my, I went to the closet, I'm like, I got this dress out, had a tag on it still. It's a good dress, it's a really good dress. It looked amazing on the picture online when I ordered it at, <laughs> 12.30 at night when I was on my phone not sleeping. <laughs> and I got it, and I put it on, and it just, it didn't, you know, it just didn't feel, it wasn't right. I put it in the closet so I didn't wear it for whatever I bought it for. And it sat there, and it's a good dress. And I'm like, nope, I am honoring this practice. I have agreed to do this practice. I'm honoring this practice. This dress is going into the suitcase. And then I thought about it, um, I'm grateful for that dress now because I thought about it and it was like I could see the dress going to, to charity and the person that found that dress. I don't know, maybe some of you don't thrift shop. I thrift shop. I love thrift shop. Um, but when you're there and you get that dress and it's still got the tags on it, it's like slap my palm. I have found it. So I knew that this dress was going to, somebody was going to find it. They were going to be excited about it. And they were going to wear it to the interview or to the party or to the park, whatever. And they were going to enjoy it. Or I could hold on to this dress, leave it in my closet, never wear it, be upset about it because it's in there. Or I could be grateful that I bought that dress because I knew that it was going to go on and bless somebody else's life. And that's what I'm talking about with the release. That we release with love, we release with gratitude. Uh, my husband <laughs> has probably listened to this talk more than he wants to acknowledge. And uh, so he's been singing the Let It Go 
and I let it go. And I'm like, no, that's not it, right? Because she's singing, let it go, let it go. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're releasing. It's a gentle flowing out of my life and into somebody else's life with gratitude and love. I'm not releasing it with self-hate that I bought it. I'm releasing it with love. So that's the other part of this practice is um, that, that I didn't expect to find when I was doing this, was that I actually am finding a lot of self-love in these items that I'm putting into the buck. Self-love for, maybe I'm kind of silly, self-love for the person that bought it, not knowing what she was doing. Self-love for the idea that I'm at least committing to releasing it and practicing this, doing this practice. So I can pack a lot in. This takes me like 15 minutes, and it took me like 20 minutes to talk about. But so we're meditating, we're moving, we're practicing self-love. And that is my uh, take on Lent. Um, there's other things that you can do, these types of processes that you can do for fasting. Uh, the one I read about um, recently was a, uh, a tech screen fast that you could do on Fridays. So Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, no screens, no internet, no technology. Yeah, see if my 40-day one sounds really good now. <laughs> I was going to do that, that, that's the Friday one uh, at the beginning of the year. That brings me to another thing is I added this, I, I get that, that little girl every once in a while pops up. I'm going to give up electricity. Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to do this screen fasting. I'm going to do it for 2022. And then at the end of 2022, I'm going to do a talk and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to have all this amazing stuff. And then the first Friday of 2022 came, and I think there was a new series on TV or something, and my husband like put it on, and I was like, oops, let's leave this. <laughs> so I want to like, encourage everybody to come up with a practice and actually do it. Find one that works for you. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be my 40 item in 40 day, but if you want to do it, let me know on Facebook. Um, it doesn't have to be the screen thing. It doesn't, ha it, whatever works for you. Even just being mindful when you throw out the garbage, to be grateful, to release that garbage with gratitude. Be grateful that their garbage men are coming and getting it and taking it away and you don't have to live in it. But just be grateful, live in the flow. And that's the, uh, that's my challenge. We're supposed to do challenges. It's funny, I always think there's no dogma in science of mind and new thought and then you learn how to do talks, and they give you the rules for talks. <laughs> so I guess we're not really dogmatic about not having dogma. <laughs> but my challenge for everybody is find a releasing practice that works for you, and commit to it, and do it. You'll, you'll, you'll be glad you did. So I am done. In time. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do the prayer. I need prayer, guys, after that. <laughs> so, just can everybody close your eyes and if you're comfortable, take this moment. Take this moment knowing that we are all nothing from nothing and everything at the same time. 
just as God is everywhere in everything, there's a part of our consciousness that is beyond this physical realm that unifies each one of us, unifies each one of us divinely and beautifully. Taking a moment to feel that connection. Taking a moment to realize what a blessing this is, this time together is. What a blessing it is that we live in this flow of life, taking in and releasing and finding that highest and best good in every single moment. I know that not only are we blessed here in Ventura Center for Spiritual Living, I bless all paths to God temples, mosques, ashrams, temples, I said that, atheists, five-year-olds that want to be nuns, 11-year-olds that think that God doesn't exist. I bless everything and everyone. And I'm grateful to do it, grateful to know God, grateful for this moment, grateful for this time together. And I release this word into the infinite and universal law. Together we say, and so it is.